Why, hello everyone. I'm Ashley. Hey, what's good, y'all? I'm Elston. And welcome to our podcast, Speaking, Speaking Our, our language. language. That was good. That was, that was, <laughs> that was nice. That was nice. But yo, Ash, tell them about the podcast. Okay, so we created this generational podcast to focus on uplifting black culture, building community, and honestly, creating a space for young people in their 20s to figure out life together. So with that said, let's just hop into the episode. Okay, let's do it. All right, so since this is the last episode of Black History Month, it wouldn't be right for me not to use our check-in time to see how your Black History Month went. Facts. Honestly, like, I'm not going to hold you, like, besides the snow being anti-black, <laughs> low-key, I don't know why. I feel like I could have did more for, like, Black History Month. I feel like COVID mm. just, like, it being virtual made a different vibe. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like... Got you. I really got Black History Month from, like, my movies which we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. But I think it wasn't as impactful as like actually being in a collective of black people. I feel like, you know, the sense like on social media was like really strong. Yeah. But I think I'm not used to like not being a, around, around people because yeah. we're still in a pandemic. Yeah. Like, whether it was like undergrad or like a job, like I feel like that actual in presence, in person connectivity is different and it mm-hmm. adds a different vibe to like Black History Month. But how about you? I feel like it's been a very impactful black history month this is the first time i was able to spearhead a whole black history month campaign at my job congrats give it up i'm like (laughs) listen when you actually spearheading and leading a whole campaign at your job that's a different type of vibe thank you it was it was really nice to be able to use like you know my everyday job to spotlight employees and members and influential figures that are making an impact so that was really cool. And to just see how many people were like happy about it made me feel great and show that like I can do, I can create dope stuff, you know? I mean, come on, you you do the social media for <laughs> the podcast, you do it for your job. So thank that's you, not thank even an option. You. But it was just really nice to, you know, use this month, even though it was snowing and it was definitely anti-black um, to try and make the most out of it and to just try to do what I can virtually since we can't see a lot of people in person. Now, I agree with you. So I guess like the best way to really finish off our Black and Love series was to really tackle this, or not even tackle, discuss the idea of revolutionary radical love. Mm. Like, let's really dive into mm. that. I think we should. And I think you should start. Elson, tell them you what always you do think. This. I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> so what does like revolutionary love mean to you in this space in this time hmm in this space in this time i feel like revolutionary just means you're forthright you're transparent but beyond that it's a love for the community for the struggle for the people i think at that point it's like you're dying to self but for the people like whatever you're doing is for the community i think that that's what it really means for me like you're prioritizing the community over yourself like you recognize the need for you to be a catalyst for a transformative change no I feel that I think we hold so much power and I did as you were saying that I don't know why I want to be so transparent I just felt like why the fuck do black people have to always be so fucking revolutionary like that really (laughs) I'm sorry but that really crossed my mind of like well it's I'm so happy we're talking about this but it was like damn we always got to be fighting for something. We always got to be like actively working for something. And I mean, I, I'm here for it, but that right. was my first initial like no, no, no. feeling. And that's, and that's, and that's valid. I think that along with that idea comes a lot of feelings, which are really valid. Some mm-hmm. people take 
pride in being like, yo, I'm a vanguard for this movement. I, I get to fight for it. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, yo, why do we as black people have to always it's, be yeah. the ones to fight for the struggle? Some people are just like, listen, this, this is too exhausting. I can't do it. So I think even within like our blackness, we hold a very different emotions to how we interact and engage with the struggle. For me personally, I think I've been finding myself kind of like, I always want to try to be as revolutionary or as like radical as I can be. So like reading important texts and being critical of society and my wrong society. But then I also feel like sometimes it's like, yo, I'm trying to live my life. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I'm trying to just be Elston, trying to be like, me. Is, is that, is so that it's okay? hard. It's hard like, to try to do that where it's like, yo, sometimes I can't do that in this particular moment because mm-hmm. I have to just focus on like me and like my nuclear family or whatever i'm saying like just me and my brother sister mom dad i think that sometimes is really difficult because sometimes you're like i can't focus on trying to help everybody Everybody. i have to like help me first and how much like and i think revolutionary love while on a larger broader scale can be you know empowering the community making these bigger changes you know advocating for all these different changes to happen across the board, whether it be education, politics, law enforcement, all that stuff. At the same time, revolutionary love can be breaking generational curses within your family. Like it doesn't have to be on a magnet magnified scale to be seen as just as valid or important. And I think we don't talk about that enough of like, you're doing a revolutionary thing for yourself by healing from the past trauma you had so your other generations don't have to experience that you know like and i also wanted to touch on like you are just elson and i am just ashley and like sometimes we don't have capacity sometimes to always be in the mood to fight for something you know or to yeah there are protests going on i want to be a part but sometimes i don't have the capacity to do that and live my day-to-day life you know that's we talk about that a lot like when we enter into spaces it's like okay Yes, I am black, but I'm still me, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. when I go into spaces, I don't want to have to necessarily, like, I'm for my people, for sure. But there are times when I don't want to feel like I have to represent every mm-hmm. single black voice. perspective or mm-hmm. be the voice. So, like, if someone asks me a question, I feel like I'm about to be on trial because I'm standing up for everybody. Like, I want to just be like, well, that's my opinion. And, like, if a black another black person has a different opinion, for sure. Like, why can't we also, like, be entitled to the diversity of opinions or thoughts, or feelings, or emotions, I think that's also, like, sometimes the pushback to the movement where everyone's like, you know what? Black people are fine speaking up. It's just this one unified voice, and it's like, no, sometimes, like, we're still trying to figure it out. We're still Mm -hmm. trying to all make sense of it in our own ways to figure out, like, how do I really feel about what's happening to me? And that that differs from person to person, but that's still a part of the movement. It necessarily isn't always about let's get on the same page rather than like, let's all understand like where everyone is coming from. And not having that pressure to feel like we're obligated to be the spokesperson. Cause when the George Floyd situation happened and black lives matter was such a big prevalent moment in June is July. Right. Every company was like, where are my black employees? Where are you at? Like we need you. Literally, we need you literally. to come and educate. And it's like, Sometimes we, we're still we're still having to experience the trauma. We're still trying to process it for ourselves. 
we can't always be the revolutionary voice that you need us to be. No, I promise you, they, they actually come into the meeting and then just lead it. Exactly, like, exactly. You, you never led nothing before. But exactly. this one meeting, you're about you're, to lead. You're, you're, you're like, an expert. <laughs> hey, Ashley, um, so we're about to have this meeting about, like, can you just go ahead and just, whatever comes to mind, just go ahead and do it. And it's like, like no. I get what you're saying. I feel that. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to have to be the voice for everything. No. Because I'm still educating myself on my own history. Exactly. Thanks to for y'all not really teaching me it through like K through eighth grade and like, yeah. you know, hit like high school and college. Like it took me a moment to like finally understand, but because it's important to me, it has significance. I was able to take that and internalize that. And it meant more to me than it might necessarily mean more to you. So I think that's also like kind of an issue where it's like, and they want your firsthand perspective. Like whatever you say is law. And it's like, no, I still have to educate myself but on my it, own history. I also want to give this side of the story too, because it's like the same time, I know I'd be hot when companies don't reach out to their black employees and just be like, I'm going to make a statement, you know? So it's like, Big facts. so it's like, mm, I don't want you to just do it unknowledgeably by just doing what you think is best. Right. But at the same time, I it's like a fine line a fine of line. knowing how to approach. And maybe that's like, yeah, yeah, it's a fine, it's a fine, we're going to leave it at a fine line. But I think with that, it's, it's really a balance. Like you have to read the room. I think mm-hmm. that's like what we saw with all the racial like uprisings. Like you have to read the room. Like what is your organization doing? What is society What have asking? you been doing? Say that. Like what has your history been doing? <laughs> Because we've seen a lot of companies that come out of the woodworks doing all this revolutionary work. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, for 2020, that was great. But what was you doing from 1990 <laughs> man, to like right man, now? Man, can we talk about it? That's what I'm saying. So it's like, really, are you really revolutionary or are you reactionary? That's my that's my no, question. No, dead that's ass. Like, say. you bring up such a good point. Like, is this, I, I'm weary about a lot of companies because it's like, 2020 is over now like what are you actually going to keep doing you know not just this performative posting that you know entices people to think that you are really about it when you're not and it's like what are are you actually pouring into these communities are you actually hiring are you actually holding people accountable are you actually adding people to your board that are up in high people, places co- in high places make and, decisions and, that yes are not yes be, yes you know what i'm saying you have to actually pass it by your other bosses. Like, you know, like, are we actually going to be folded into the DNA of these institutions? And even though they weren't made with us in mind, how are you going to make sure moving forward that we have a say? I think that's basically what we're trying to say now is just make sure the investment is real. So mm-hmm. we don't want to just see, you know, work done just during Black History Month. We don't, we like, no, if you're asking black people, like people to come speak, no, pay them. If you're asking, you know Man. what I'm saying? Making sure that it's not just an uptake during February and then it's like, ooh, well, that's over. We're done. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See Thanks. you next February. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, it's like, no, the work needs to be consistent and the work also needs to be done by y'all. Yes. <laughs> so that's, really, that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. No, seriously. I think people also don't understand the amount of trauma that the black community carries on a day-to-day basis that also affects how they show up in these spaces. It's like we live two completely different lives no you know? for sure for sure like, it's like not seriously it's like i have to live in my world then i have to also live in your world mm-hmm. and i'm still carrying all the trauma that's been passed down through you know generations and generations of injustices done to black people so i feel like we're still trying to unpack that so even within this time frame where we think that things should be better it's still hard so that's why i feel black people are deserving of therapy because we know there's a lot of trauma but we still don't know how it affects us all. It's like how we know the brain can do a lot of things, 
but science still hasn't figured out all that the brain can do. So we still don't know. We're still, how many years later, still finding different ways that slavery and other injustices have been able to affect black people. So I, I do feel that we're deserving of that. And like black people need to, you know, we need time to process. We're trying to process in real time the past, the present, and then still think about the future. <laughs> There's a lot that is on us to really be able to do. And we're still out here growing, thriving, striving. Grinding, hustling. Literally. So I think with that, one thing I wanted to say was, even through with all the trauma, the way I see sometimes love, I want to make an analogy real quick. It's like in the workplace, keeping up with that. <laughs> like the hard skills versus the soft skills. I think hard skills we have, you know, organizing and speaking and moving and, and hustling and all the community work and the softer skills in the workplace sometimes, you know, get overlooked where it's like being able to communicate and stuff like that. But I think the soft skills for evolution are like self-care, love, like those things mm -hmm. that we don't realize how powerful and how they actually uphold the movement and we overlook them. But self-care and rest and love, those are all so important as well. Those are things that aren't taught to us like we aren't taught the soft skills we're taught the hard skills how to survive you know how right, exactly. to make money how to be successful how to get an education you know how to raise a family you know how to just make it not how to process things how to heal how to right, love exactly, how exactly. to forgive yourself how to how rest. exist without yeah we talk about existing versus surviving so you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like it's like as black people in america we're always in survival mode and i think that's what leads to a lot of the stress a lot of the trauma that we're facing because mm -hmm. we just never can feel like we don't feel safe. And that, why would we, right? You look yeah. at why yeah. would we feel safe? What would that even look like? You know, what would it feel like that? You know you what I'm know, saying? Like, <laughs> forget what it looks like. Cause they, that's what they think. That's they think true. what it looks like is putting police in the neighborhoods and like, Oh yeah, mm -hmm. it looks yeah, safe, right? Cause that. like they're doing that. But like, no black and brown people still don't feel safe in their communities because you all have a history of not protecting mm -hmm. us and trying to say that you're protecting us. Mm -hmm. I think that's like one of the problems. And I feel, you know, the vanguards of the movement, recognize that like yo we're not safe y'all come into our communities y'all hurt and harm us we don't have a say so like now nah, we have to take things into our own hands we have to take our destiny our lives into our own hands and protect our people and worry about our community you think about tulsa you think about all these spaces where black people were thriving and almost always as soon as we're about to do our own thing intentional destruction comes to you know what i'm saying keep pushes keep, all the way exactly back. so mm -hmm. all those different experiences have effect and especially black people and they're like depending on your history, where you're from, that proximity to it affects everyone differently and can also affect the way you see the world. I think the way we all see the world as black people is very, very different. As we talk about like just the revolutions and all the movements we have gone through, it's like, was those built on a concept of love that kept us going or like the concept of pain? It's like a contradiction of like, is one without both. the other yeah, you I know like it has to be it's both it's like you know the pain that's caused we all see okay wow we're unified we by same, that yeah we all mm -hmm. have the same battle wounds and it's like okay the only thing that's going to heal those wounds is the love so like i give love to you you give back to me then we have love for each other hey now we're building community where you know what i'm saying i think that's what it really is and, and love looks very different you know some people have a more militant stance on love like i you know we talk about love languages so yeah that looks very different some people like you know during the movement some people are like hey i'm gonna be the visionary i'm gonna be support okay why out fighting in the streets i'm gonna come and educate the children and teach the children i'm gonna make sure everyone is fed like everyone has a role to play and in some, the, in the some are very different you know like malcolm x's role versus martin luther king's role two completely different approaches Which the media always again and i think that's something we have to talk about as well the role the media plays yeah. in being able to like de-radicalize a uh -huh. lot of the figures who had very very definite stances yeah distinct on, ex stances. exactly yeah. and like if we don't take our 
due diligence to read what they were saying and to watch the speeches would just be like, oh yeah, pacifist. Like, you know, mm-hmm. this, like, it's like, no, they were saying actual ideologies that aren't going to be able to be perceived in just a 140 character tweet. Like you have oh, to really sure. take, you know what I'm saying? Take the time to read. Even for myself, I still have like, there's books. I'm like, ah, I have to get back to reading that so I can develop my consciousness and my political identity and understanding. And I think that's extremely important. You brought up a hella good point when you said that the media tries to divide us because they do. And like to this day back then, like anytime we take a step forward, they want to knock us back down three steps and they make it seem like it was our fault uh, for sure. as and, to why. And they want to keep us divided. I think a lot of that has to also do as I look at past revolutionaries and those committed to the fight for struggle. I think a, a great part of that was everyone can disagree, but to disagree doesn't mean that you still don't love that person. Yeah. I think that's one. But also, too, discipline was such an important part. They mm. play it played such an important part, and that's like that manifests in, in certain things, like even being able to have a very intentional conversation where it's like cool, it can get heated, and we can share ideologies. But there is a a structure to how this has to go. I think I forgot which book I read it in. I feel like it was Andrew Davis's book. But the idea that what actually held the revolution was the organization, like yeah. being organized, like and that goes from you know large scale movements, but just to okay, we're gonna sit around the table. We're going to have to have a process where everyone can be respectful, but everyone's thoughts can get hand, you know, get heard and we can be able to handle this in a way that's conducive. That's going to mm-hmm. be able to push forward the progress, you know what I'm saying? Or push forward the movement. No, seriously. And organization. It's Nothing like, happens without it. Like y- it has y- to be organized. <laughs> it has to be at the forefront of so many things. And I really liked when you said that we can love each other through disagreements. And that is part of everybody having the freedom to do their own individual part in this revolution like not everyone's going to do the exact same thing when it comes to you know the protesting and all the stuff that's happening even today now some people's role is to be in the classrooms educating kids other people are out in the front lines running these movements some people are writing the scripts for or the the speeches everyone has a different role and we don't all have to do the exact same thing or agree on the approach in which everyone's doing it if it's at the goal of moving us forward at being unified and changing things i agree yeah the the revolution has and will always continue to be a very interdisciplinary yeah very thing everyone's gonna have to approach it from different angles what i also will say too is that I think James Bowman has a quote like, because I love you, I have to make you aware of the things that you don't see or don't notice. Mm-hmm. So I think also there's love through challenging people, especially yeah. now challenging people to see the intersection between different things. Ralph Ellison wrote Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. And I've read like a little bit of it, but I remember Toni Morrison doing a critique on it. Like, okay, it's a, it's a well-read book, widely received, but I'm still critical of the idea that you wrote a book about Invisible Man, but invisible to whom? Yeah. Mm. Has a black the black man hasn't really been invisible to the black woman. Like we see you. Like again, this book, in a way, is made for the white gays because you feel like you're invisible to white people. Mm. But as black women, as you know, other black people, we've always you we we see you, we feel you. So like again, who is this book written to, and with who in mind? That's a challenge. But clearly, you know, she as because she loves literature, and you know, what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and, and loves. Black people is like, okay, also challenging us to conceive the ways in which we talk about things and how we think about them and the stances and frameworks that we use to kind of express that. I think challenge is important, but I think it's also the way in which you deliver that challenge or that critique or that feedback to that person to be like, 
you know, like I, I think sometimes, especially in this time, everything is very touchy within the black community. And if people aren't responding, aren't doing things your way, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's a space of educating one another, more of let me tell you why you're wrong and why I'm right. That keeps us even more divided because people who aren't knowledgeable and people who are, sometimes people don't have the patience or like capacity and to, the, to educate. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you attack your own fellow people for not being knowledgeable. I don't no, know. Yeah, it's like I, a I fine line. I agree. I feel like for those who quote unquote, uh, there's woke, but those who are enlightened or have come to a higher sense of awareness. And I want to say burden. It's not really a burden, but there is a way to approach those who have not had the same experiences to be able mm-hmm. to understand and, you know, become conscious of the things that you might have been able to. And you just want to show grace and kindness when, when doing that. On the flip, I will also say, I, I do understand as well that, that that's life, right? Life is this ever learning process. So when you're trying to learn about identity politics and all the different, you know, structures and frameworks of just the struggle, there's a lot to learn. So sometimes people are just like, you know, it's like, damn, like I thought I was doing something right. I think that's sometimes too, like a part of the a revolution being revolutionary and having revolutionary love is like dying to ego. Like your ego has to mm-hmm. die. You can't mm-hmm. have, there's no space for the ego. Like you have to be yeah. in a way selfless. And I don't know. That's a hard task. Like just, even hella just hard. Regular, hella hard. regular relationships. But then you tell me to be like, <laughs> even if you're close to it's like, okay, let me be selfless. But then you tell me to be selfless for, for people I've never even met. Like I'm literally fighting for future generations, but that's, that's the, I guess a beautiful part about it. Like you are so committed and believe in the fact that the world can change that you're willing to sacrifice for it. Mm, sacrifice. But before I even touch on the sacrifice. That's facts. That's facts. That's, that needs to be its own thing. Go ahead. No, seriously. It needs its own set of time dedicated. Um, but I wanted to go back to um, ego and education because I think it's so important that if you're choosing to use your knowledge to educate people within our community, you got to know how to put your ego aside and like your pride aside and like, understand that yes you know something but you were once in this place where you didn't know and you would you would appreciate if people were gracious enough to let help let you in on things you know and use the knowledge that you have for good and be you know diligent about that like because no one wants to learn from a teacher that can never be a student so like if you can never you can be a teacher and still remain teachable i think that's the yes yes those are the greatest teachers those that are still understanding like i still have something to learn and guess what you can teach me something to learn. Like, though I may, quote unquote, more, know more than you or be more knowledgeable in this area, it's like life is so expansive that it's like you can also teach something too. And like, I can pull from this and apply it in a different manner over here. And that's how, you know, that's what drives innovation. That's yeah. what drives creativity. Black people have always been able to see something and like, you know what? I, I can do something else with this. I think that's really important. That's what keeps us going and allows us to, you know, have a plethora of tools to be able to fight injustice and to be able to heal and to be able to work we have so much that we can pull from it's just the spirit that we have yeah and it's like i'm realizing like and that goes back to just the just the concept of like the people who always want to be right they are always on edge because they always are trying to prove something like they can never be teachable they never want to accept that they're wrong or accept that they you know may not know everything and those people know so much but they can't put their pride aside their ego aside for real, it's like, do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? I think. Mm. Once wait, wait, I, wait! Can you say that again for the people in the back? I'm crying. <laughs> do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? Mm. One of my mentors had this saying that being right is overrated, and I looked at him like, wait, what? This, like, if you're right, you're right, and it's like about it's not about always being right. It's about the approach. It's about the outcome. Yes, and I think that's what revolutionaries were really about. They're married to the outcome. So no matter what it takes to get 
the outcome. Like mm-hmm. that's when it's about, okay, I'll, I'll be selfless. Like I would have this like revelation of the day. Being smart isn't always being the person to come up with an idea or come up with something. It's also being able to notice the potential in something mm. and notice that something else is a good idea. So if we do a podcast, like if you have an idea, right? And then I have an idea, but you have one that's better than me. Am I going to like still push for my idea or I'm going to be like, hey, you know what? That's a better idea. And it, it will make sure that the podcast gets in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what they had to do as well. They had to be able to be, you know what? It might not be my idea, but if you have a better idea... And it's for the people. Let's go with that because then it's for the people. Yeah. And I'll fall behind. I'll fall in line. I think that's something that's like really, really important to understand that it's not just about self. It's like, oh, I'll just die and sacrifice. It's like, no, like I'll sacrifice if I, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I can't be the face of the movement. I can't, like you have to be able to really be in it for the people. Like you're not in it for the people. It's going to be extremely hard. If you don't want to sacrifice, sacrifice. it's going to be extremely hard. If you, don't want, if you can't that. be inconvenienced, it's going to be really hard. Yeah. Sacrifice is a hard thing. But I think as black people, we know what sacrifice looks like already. Are we tired of sacrifice? Yes. But in order to keep things moving, you know, in certain spaces, mm, that's good. We have to sacrifice. We have to continue to keep sacrificing. You know, we I think can't. that's the thing too. Like, both can be true at the same time. Like, we're so tired of sacrificing, but we still have to sacrifice <laughs> to get to where we want to go. So it's like, I understand, like, as a people, we are so tired. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in, in terms of, like, you know, I see like all these movements happening on, you know, different social media and people gathering together. It's like, no, we're going to have to continue to keep sacrificing. So we're going to have to go nine to fives, be tired, but still make sure the work is done in our community. Mm-hmm. We're going to have, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? We're going to have to, even in this virtual time, we're going to have to make sure that we're putting the time in to make sure that our, our kids are being educated just as well as mm-hmm. their counterparts being that, you know what I'm saying? Like this virtual new education system is going to always disproportionately affect black and brown children. So I think it's like finding those ways where I know <sighs> that we're tired but and we have to keep doing the work. But then at some point, enough is enough. And we're going to have to fight back and be like, hey, like uh-uh, we, the, yeah, this is what we need. Like, there's no more asking. There's no more. This is what needs to happen. But Elson, with all of that being said, what is your contribution, you think, to this movement? That's a good question. One, I want to continue reading. So I'm trying to like work on self-development and to continue to educate myself on the different struggles and the different revolutionaries and just what people were doing at that time past and now even contemporarily to fight for black people that's one two i think i'm going to try to contribute like my imagination i think imagination is so important like the black radical imagination to be able to conceive of things that don't yet exist in the world but you know that can make it better so i think just like imagination and creativity for me is like very very important i think that leads to freedom and like those are two things i value the most i guess in life like imagination and freedom those are like my biggest things love that oh oh i should, I should actually too huh okay yeah so, i mean but if you wasn't you know i was gonna chime in anyway. i i know you're gonna go ahead take it away then take it away <laughs> no you know you brought up some really good points i think when we talked about this before recording i was like who i don't know what i bring to the movement and we had a conversation you gave me a few ideas <laughs> but i think creating spaces to have conversations good bad or indifferent I feel like that's something that I bring to the table and like trying to use all the platforms that I have to have open dialogues and be very transparent. That's something I think my creativity in regards of graphic design, video editing, like audio stuff, like I can do all of these things to highlight and amplify these different moments. And I think that's something. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And then using graphics to depict what's going on 
communication i think i'm a person who like tries to be a mediator in conversations to and i think i also have that patience to as i'm learning knowledge that i'm receiving from other people who are even more knowledgeable i have the patience to teach people who know way less than i do which i think is important is find having someone who's a mediator and is able to translate some of that information you know down to other people that the top people may not have the patience or time to do that for you're bringing a lot though you you have a big bag on you oh my gosh thank you <laughs> you're so kind that didn't sound too genuine i'm not gonna hold oh you. my gosh i'm not gonna hold you <laughs> no 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 it's not you it's more of like me feeling like i need to be doing more i went to comment on something you said earlier about not really knowing what you bring to the movement i think that's a space that a lot of people are currently in like not really sure what they can add to the movement not really sure how to be a part of the movement not necessarily knowing like, yo, is, is it still going? Is it not going? I think we're all just kind of looking around like, okay, who's going to be the first person to do it? And it isn't start with just one person. Starts with, like, everyone has to do their part. Whatever it is that you can do, as before, like I think as, mm-hmm. long, as long as we remain teachable and committed to, you know, understand like, yo, as a black person, I have a responsibility and due diligence, you know what I'm saying, to my people to be able to use my talents, my gifts for our improvement. I think that that's really where it starts. No, that's so true. Well, that's why we have this particular space, because sometimes I may feel like I'm doing going through things by myself and listener or else they may feel the same way. And that's why we talk about it here, because there might be people listening that, like Elson said, are in similar spaces. So you are right. No, we do need to give more grace. That's real. I was beating myself up about not having read in a long time. I'm not reading. It's like, yo, I'm I'm busy. I have a lot more things to do than in summertime to sit down and read these books. So like, well, I do want to get back to reading and I will. Also realize, you know, having space for ourselves to be like, okay, cool. Like, I I know that I'm on a journey of self-development. I'm on a journey Mm -hmm. of learning how I can contribute to the movement. It's not just about, that's an everyday task. It's an everyday work. It's not just about, okay, let me just find a quick fix and like to say, oh yeah, this is what I did. It's like, no, like, if you're committed, this is going to be for life. No, seriously. And that main takeaway from me to all of you guys is give yourself grace Find what works for you within this movement, not what everyone else is doing, because that may not be the role in which you were called to do. And no matter how big or small, it is valued. Ashley, take that, receive that yourself. I'm crying. Remain <laughs> open, all that. I second what you said. Everything. I love that. But I think it's time to move to Voice of the Culture. Empowers the people. All right. So do we want to start with films? Why not? You know what? Let's start there. Okay. So... I'm a big movie, TV content junkie. I watch so much content. She literally does. It's, I I love it. Like she's I she's seen everything on HBO Max, everything <laughs> on Hulu, everything on Netflix. It's not this is nothing she has not seen. I just love content, and I love things that are like interesting and layered. And I feel like it's just so it's like soothing to me. You know the way that music is to so many other people. I mean, music is to me too, but content I freaking love it. So. Well, there's a lot of movies that we could talk about from The Hate You Give to One Night in Miami to Salma. Like we could talk about a lot, but I felt like the perfect time would be to talk about the new movie that just came out, Judas and the Black Messiah. So, Elston, have you watched any of them? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? I've seen. So we watched Judas and the Black Messiah together. Yes, we did. So let's, we, can, we can start there. OK. Mm, my thoughts. I have, I, I have a couple, a few. I thought it was a good movie. I think. It was a story that needs to be told that we needed to understand more about Fred Hampton. My my initial thoughts were that it was going to be a little more in depth. Mm-hmm. I was looking for more of, you know, something more, a little bit more real, I think, a little more factual. I think it was factual, but I think 
somewhere in between like a documentary, like a Hollywood documentary. That's yeah. what I was kind of expecting. I wasn't really prepared for them for the movie to be told through the eyes of the FBI informant. But I actually read an yeah. article that you know explains why it had to happen that way. I think there's like an artistical take. They want they didn't want to come head on and straight. They wanted to kind of show the FBI's involvement. But we talked about this. It makes you more mad at the informant than the yeah. actual FBI because we don't we don't see enough of them yeah. doing the actual dirt. Like we see the FBI informant doing it. It's like okay, I understand that, but like he has a boss. Like he's in this very precarious situation. Not saying it's right at, at all. Like, you know what I'm saying? But I think it's a understanding, like, clearly, you know, there is more at play that we're not seeing. That's kind of yeah. like, it's under, like, it's understood, but you're past. not really looking at it. I know I couldn't get past William O'Neill's just whole, his whole experience, or like, contribution to the film. Like, I'm just hot about that. Like, it, it just made me more upset that, like, this black man is, like, turning on his community for these white people like i li- like that literally had me hot the entire movie personally and not to say that you know what he did for sure that was unfathomable but it's like at the end of the day like yo but we don't see enough of fbi we don't see enough of j edgar hoover we don't see enough of like them in the movie to be like we're not mad at them you know what i'm saying like it, you're it, mad at them based on direct like we're getting like i'm mad at a too, black yeah. man and i'm not mad at the people who coerced him into doing this like Facts. you know like here we are again like I'm mad at my own community. Like you're dividing me again. Like, literally, literally, you know, like you know you're saying? literally and, and dividing like, me. <laughs> we're not mad at people that we're supposed to be mad at. I, I mean, think yeah. also at the end of the movie was kind of like, once he showed the clip of William O'Neill answering mm-hmm. the questions, me and my brother went back to kind of watch the video. And it's just really, it's really unfortunate because he doesn't really answer any of the questions straight on. He says that, you know, he was indirectly involved that he chose and how he's on the, if his son was to ask him his stance in the movement, he would, you know, kind of be a little bit ambiguous about it. Mm. But he still didn't really express any remorse. He said that he didn't have any loyalty to anybody. He doesn't feel like he really did anything wrong. It was unfortunate that it happened. He didn't really know that the FBI was going to kill him. But she drugged him yeah. and gave a floor layout of his apartment. <laughs> to the, So I'm just like, okay, I, okay, I see. But I think that that was really difficult for me to watch. I'm just yeah. like, bro, no. I mean, but what, what would you have done in that situation, I think? That's what I'd be thinking. He would have took me to jail. I'm not going to turn on my community. No, I'm going to say, I told, I told, I told, I told my, I was like, nah, mom. I was like, honestly, what I would have did was I would have, yo, Fred, <laughs> listen, bro, it's, it's been crazy. It's been, it's been, it's been crazy. I got something to tell you, Loki. I've been FBI, <laughs> I've been FBI for me all this time. Uh-uh. But they about to, it's like, listen, bro, listen, if you make y'all feel better, I'm finna take this little, they told me drug you, I'm finna take it myself. <laughs> and then Not, when, I, I, when they come in the crib, at that point, they're going to, they was going to kill me either way. The FBI, if you turn on them, they was going to kill you either way. But so it's, it's like, like, I feel like, it's like I either would have went to jail, like even when they tried the to get from yeah. the jump, or like, facts, facts. I would have been like, oh, sure. And then I would have got with my, with my niggas and really been like, we ain't doing this. Like, this is, this is what they trying to put me on and we need to know how to flip this and nah, get for them, sure. you but know? I don't think they would have let you come with it. You wasn't going to flee with them. Oh, yeah. Next. That's true. <laughs> they I mean, wasn't, they wasn't, maybe they would have been like, all right, bro, we trust you. But they, people in the movie, see, like, they had suspicions already. Like, bro, yeah. you're moving kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Like, you're moving mm-hmm. a little weird. That's true. What's, what's your body? Like, where, where do you really stand? Because when he was like, oh, I'm about to go to the roof. I would have if I'm, why are you going to, yo, son, why are you going to the roof? What's, what's on the roof for you? Like, we all shooting in the, in the window like why are you going to the roof like that was weird i want an upper but then view you saw how they was doing everyone dirty because then when he came the other i forgot the guy's name but he was on the, on the stairs he also was an informant too so it's like the informants they had didn't even know about the other informants so yeah. it's like bro wait what was y'all was really on some 
corruption type. Like you were trying to really infiltrate and destroy it from the inside because they were so formidable on the outside. So you knew that they had, you had to start their, your own and, and, internal And it's like the manipulation conflict. of a black person's life. You know, like I'm going to ruin your life. I'm going to send you to jail. I'm, I'm going to ruin your life. So you have to ruin someone else's. Says, you have to ruin so the so you can live mm-hmm. maybe, which is like, you know, like that shit is crazy. And like, they only gave him like $500. Like that's like 2000 today. I think I heard, but it's like that. That's, for all of this. No. Yeah. For all that you did. And you have to think, Unfortunately, you know, he committed suicide shortly after that, that, that taping, like I think he committed suicide like that night that, it, that, that recording aired. Cause how are you going to live with yourself? It's hard. And it's like, you knew that he had a wife or his fiance, you know, his fiance mm-hmm. was pregnant with a mm-hmm. child and you still went and did that, bro. And then my brother and I were talking too, cause like he's a history buff. We were watching it. He was one of the pallbearers, bro. He was a pallbearer in the funeral of the man you helped to get killed. Come on now. That's Come That's sick. Up. That's sick, bro. That's sick. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I just want to say that I love Daniel, but he didn't look nothing like Fred. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he captured the energy. He had the spirit. He looked nothing he had the like revolutionary Fred. Spirit. And to be honest, I'm going to be honest with y'all again. I couldn't get Daniel out of Wakanda. Um, <laughs> the right when I saw him talk, I said, this is not you. <laughs> this is not your role. I got, I really, it was hard for me to separate um, we, the entire movie. That's funny. That's funny. I feel like he had the spirit, but it would have been nice to have seen that Fred Hampton was a 21 year old. I feel like that understanding again, goes back to the media de-radicalizing so that people can think that, I can't do this because I have to be a certain age. But it's like, no, Fred Hampton was 21. That's yeah. a very important part to the story for us to understand that being young and you can be revolutionary and you can make a change and you can make an impact and you can be community censored. I think taking that part away, there's so many different parts and angles that get stripped because subconsciously it will make a certain impact that does not need to be kind of told or people are afraid will impact people in, 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 in a way that will force them to, to revolt or make a, make a movement. Yeah, and we all know Daniel is not 21. So that's another reason why I was not convinced. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like. a whole harp on that point. But no, Elson, everything you said was correct. That the media does try to sway people from understanding how much power we actually have to make an impact, no matter um, age, location, you know, income. So completely agree. Also, on like in relation to the movie, when it ended, you know, we heard especially from the podcast, her. Mm, gotta love her. No, she's amazing. Fire. The song Fight For You came on and it was like, it just made me start thinking as well about, again, it's about being a part of the movement. Everyone has a role. And, and I think in the past, artists were so more, very upfront about their politics, their fight for the movement. A lot of celebrities and dissenters were very open about pushing back on those norms and trying to make sure that they are constantly using their platform to mm-hmm. progress um the culture and i think that i always have a question about artists like are you using your platform and your music for it you know to send a message not saying that you have to make a whole discography i'm saying about that yeah but when there are moments and chances to do that do you use Take your them. platform and your voice to do that you're so right and that made me think about the movie one day in miami which featured sam cook who you know is a phenomenal black artist and he really made a lot of moves to really excel and expand black artistry and ownership 
within, you know, the music industry. And it showed how he was making music catered to white people to begin with. And it took Malcolm X and several other people saying, you have power within your music to inflict change. And that led to him um, dropping the song, A Change Is Gonna Come. And him alongside so many other artists learning that their platforms are so much bigger than them. And, you know, their talents, they were given these talents to make an impact. And I think now seeing artists do it even more in ways not for like stardom not for attention but just because it's like no we need to use like what i have is enough to make some type of difference you know my artistry whether it be through songwriting whether it be through rapping whether it be through painting fashion you know we all have these skill sets and these creative outlets and art is so important to the yes. movement because think about the Harlem renaissance like mm-hmm. art has always mm-hmm. been you know, it, it gives us a way to express, but it also gives people a way to, for artists to critique, you know, the times and what's happening and for people to find some type of enjoyment entertainment. But it's also like, wait, if you actually, you know, pay attention, like lean a little mm-hmm. bit closer, you might find that there's more than you expected to be expressed in whatever piece of, you know, art that you're consuming. So I think, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful way to speak up and fight back at your own, you know what I'm saying? With your own, with your own level of comfort and using yeah. your gifts. I think that art is super important. For me, I want to um, talk about spoken word. Like, I really enjoy spoken word. I think it's like, for me, my mind's like, it's like, uh, it's like poetry and battle rap had a child. <laughs> That's how I think about it. And I really love Jasmine Mann's. Like, I don't know if, uh, Strivers Row, if anyone's familiar with that. Uh, it was like a poetry collective a couple years ago of like some young black teenagers and they really had some fire poems and Jasmine, anytime I have, anytime I'm stuck uh, in a creative kind of rut, I always watch this video on YouTube and the poem is entitled, I didn't, I know you didn't mean to kill him. And it talks about how just following the story of the slain and the slayer and how they both are black boys and how that goes to their families and really the idea about forgiveness and what it looks like for black people to be hurt on both sides that we don't always think about. I think she's, she has a, a one touching line that says like, we always pray for the, the family of the person that was killed, but we never pray for the family of the killer. And that's because the killer, of course, like a, a heinous act. But even within that, the ways in which their family also mourn for them mm-hmm. and losing that person or losing the, the idea of who they knew that person to be. It's also mm-hmm. in, a, in its own way hard. I think y'all should go watch it. It's, it's, it's a pretty I'm going to need to. I'm going to go watch after this. With that being said, I think it's perfect time to hop into the businesses of some really dope black businesses. I like that. I like how you did that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So I, I'm going to start off with mine's. It's, Two weeks in a row. Wow. Oh, here we the go. The disrespect. It's Photodom. And on Instagram is at photodom.nyc. P-H-O-T-O-D-O-M dot N-Y-C. And it is a black-owned photography store. Mm. And I really want to check it out because I've been low-key wanting to get more into photography. Oh. And um, just, like, being able to tell stories through, you know, visuals and graphics and stuff like that. But I think I would I would like to have that. I think sometimes, you know, I like to be by myself. So <laughs> I think it's sometimes a very solitary, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, activity yeah. where I can just walk around the parks and just take pictures. of. I, I love Brooklyn, of course. I want to mm-hmm. take pictures all over Brooklyn. And kind of just document the different changes I see, and from my my lens, I feel like I could maybe produce something cool. So I'm definitely gonna hit up that shop and let y'all know 
what it's like. But Ash, how about you? So dope, so dope. And definitely let me know because I am interested in photography sometimes too. I love sunsets and nature and photos of my friends and family and myself. And you can actually get actual cameras something there in my bag. You're not oh. just going to buy photography, but you're actually getting like camera like, you know what I'm saying? It's like wow. maybe like, yeah. like the supreme of cameras. That's hella dope. Store, yeah. All right. So my black business of the week is CeCe's Closet, New York City. That is exactly. So it's C-E-E-C-E-E-S Closet, New York City as their at name on Instagram. And it's a contemporary fashion brand that caters to all sizes and is handmade with love in Nigeria. And on their Instagram, they have so many dope patterns and prints and colors for head wraps and shirts and dresses and so much more. And they do really dope tutorials on how to do head wraps. So ladies, if you've been interested in getting some head wraps, figuring out which head wrap style works best for you, definitely go check them out. But I think that's all we got. That was, that was good. It's been it's been real for the Black and Love series. I feel like. Yes. Really I'm so that. happy we did this. For sure. Me too. We appreciate y'all for listening, for sticking with us, for, you know, sharing feedback and comments and really engaging in conversation with us. Yes. We love you so much. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Bye.